Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. What I want to share with you today has been one of the of the foundational values in my own personal walk with God and I believe it's also one of the fundamental values of the Kingdom of God and what I want to speak to you about this morning is the value of servanthood the value of servanthood. We're going to read a few verses from Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verses 42 through to 45, and I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Mark's Gospel, chapter 10, verse 42 through to 45. So Jesus called them together, that is his disciples, and said, you know that the rulers of this world lorded over the people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must be the slave of everyone else. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Now, as the disciples were disputing and arguing among themselves who would be the greatest in the kingdom of God, Jesus took this opportunity to teach them one of the fundamental values of kingdom living, and that's the value of servanthood. Now, in my own personal life, more than 39 years ago, at a time of conflict with myself, uh, it was just after my own conversion and rebirth, a few months, maybe a year, 18 months down the road, I began to lose the joy of my salvation. And um, I couldn't understand why until the Holy Spirit got hold of me one day and spoke these words to my heart. I want to share them with you. I have never been able to forget those words. You know when you have an encounter with God and He arrests your attention about something, you will never forget the time, you will never forget where you were at that time and what exactly He said. And Honestly, we need more encounters with the presence of God like that, because it is these encounters that changes the way we think and the way we live and the way we behave. Only when we have an encounter with the living God and His presence, truly we are changed from glory to glory into the same image. The words that he said to me are as th these, these are the words, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share them with you today. He said, as you lay down your life 
to serve and to please others, I will come and fill you with my spirit, and every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, I have given it to you. <coughs> I'm going to share those words again. As you lay down your life to serve and to please others, he didn't say serve and please Christ, he said serve and please others instead of yourself, I will come and fill you with my spirit and every place that the sole of your foot treads upon, I have given it to you. Now, these words for me mark the beginning of a lifelong journey of learning how to lay down my life in the service of God and in the service of those whom God has given me to love and to serve. These words also mark the beginning <coughs> of dismantling my selfishness and my self-serving attitude. Now, I realized then why I lost the joy of the Lord. Because I became selfish again. I have allowed selfishness to creep back into my own attitude and behavior towards my wife and towards those around me. And that was the reason I lost the joy that I once experienced when I came uh, to be born again. Now, I have learned through the years that the greatness of a person's life, in other words, how God measures our life, is not measured by the titles he has next to his name, by the wealth he possesses, or the position he carries, but he measures the greatness of our life by our servant heart. God measures the value of a person's life by how well he serves those whom God has placed into his sphere of influence. Why do I say that? Because the greatness of a person's life is not measured by duration, but rather by donation. God is not impressed of how long we live but he is impressed how well we live. What do we do with the life that is given us? How well do we serve him? How well do we love and serve those whom he has placed into our lives? And that's very important. Mother Teresa once said that one of the greatest diseases in our world today is being nobody to anybody. Our life, I believe, will be defined by how well we serve those whom God called us to serve, beginning with our family, our spouse, our children, our church, our employers, and our community. And our greatest purpose in life is, as believers, to receive the love of God and then give it away every single day of our lives. We go before God in the morning and we open our hearts and say, Lord, fill me with your presence today. Fill me afresh with the love of Christ, receiving the love of God and then giving it away by serving those that are within the sphere of our influence.
And this to me has everything to do whether we will live under an open or a closed heaven. Whether we will live under the blessing or we will live under the curse. We have a choice. Those who are in Christ are blessed, but we need to walk in that blessing in order to appropriate it and receive it by faith. Exodus 23, 25 and 26 says the following. Very revealing scripture. So you shall serve the Lord your God, and He will bless your bread and your water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of you. No one shall suffer miscarriage or be barren in your land. I will fulfill the number of your days. Notice the order of the words God uses. You shall serve the Lord your God, and I will bless you. I will bless your bread, I will bless your water, I will remove sickness and disease from the midst of you. No one will suffer miscarriage in your family or be barren in your land, and I will fulfill the number of your days. The key word there, serve. Amen? You serve and I'll bless. You serve and I'll bless. The way you serve God, God will respond to you with His blessing. He also says in Job 36 and verse 11, If they obey and serve Him, they shall spend their days in prosperity and their years in pleasures. When? If we obey and serve Him. There's that word again, to serve God. To love God is to serve God. Amen? To love people is to serve them. To love your, your, your family is to lay down your life and serve your family. Serve those whom God has given you by loving them and serving them and ministering to them and, and, and doing whatever is required at the expense of self. Amen? A number of years ago, it was actually the year of 2011, to be precise. I woke up in the middle of the night with these words ringing in my spirit. Now, my spirit was having a conversation with my mind while I was sleeping. You know, you sleep, but your spirit never sleeps. Amen? You don't sleep. Your spirit man never sleeps. And, and I, I caught, as I woke up, I caught my spirit having fellowship and conversation with my mind. And my spirit was speaking to my mind, saying these words. And I recall, I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get up. It was about two o'clock in the morning and write them in my journal, because if I don't, I'm going to forget it. This is what I wrote down. I find my greatest expression in life and the greatest release in ministry by serving those whom God has given me to serve and by helping them become all that God has called them to be. That's where I find my greatest expression and release in ministry. And over and over again these words were ringing around in my, in my mind and so I got up and I wrote them down so that I don't forget them. <coughs> now, as I began to think 
and in my thoughts I went through the people I know and people that I serve beginning with my family I saw this to my astonishment God has enlarged my territory through servanthood by serving these precious people and ministries with my gifts my time and my talents and my prayer the boundaries of my influence in Christ began to increase tremendously God increases us through servanthood as you serve faithfully where God placed you God begins to bless and increase and multiply your influence but it starts from serving. Now, <clears throat> I want to give you some examples from the Old and the New Testaments. Let's begin with the Lord Jesus, our primary example. Isaiah calls him, or rather the Word of God through Isaiah calls him, in Isaiah chapter 42 and verse 1. I want you to read or look at that verse from your own Bible. Isaiah 42 verse 1. He calls him the servant with capital S. This is what Isaiah says. Isaiah 42 verse 1. Behold my servant whom I uphold. <laughs> Speaking of Jesus. My elect one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth justice to the Gentiles. These words carry tremendous revelation. Notice, God upholds servants. He says, my servant whom I uphold. You want to be upheld by God? I mean, who doesn't want to be upheld by the Lord? God upholds servants. Not only does he uphold servants, he says, he soul delights in them. Not only does he uphold servants, but the word of God says he delights in servanthood. If you want to bring joy to the heart of God, then this is the way to do it. Serve God, serve others. Love God, love others. How do you serve them? with what God has given you, with your time, with your prayer, with your gifts, with your talents, and with your resources. Now, not only does he delight in servanthood, but notice what he says, I have put my spirit upon him. That tells me that God pours out his spirit upon servants. The greater the servant, the greater the outpouring of his spirit. Amen? So if you want the outpouring of God's Spirit, start serving when God placed you and serve with an attitude that is filled with joy and pleasure by serving God. The Bible says, whatever we do, let us do it unto the Lord and not unto man. We don't work for man, we work for God. We are co-laborers together with God. Wherever God placed you, you serving the Lord. Whether you are under a good employer or a, a horrible one, you're not serving man, you're serving God. Amen? Amen? Now, our Lord's life on earth was defined by His servant heart. 
Why do I say that? Of all the forms that he could have chosen to come into this world, he could have come as a king, couldn't he? But he chose the form, the Bible says, of a bondservant. Philippians chapter 2, verse 7, but made himself, nobody made him, he chose, he made himself of no reputation, and he took upon him the form of a bondservant. Of all the forms he could have chosen to come, he chose the form of a bondservant. What does that tell you and me? That God delights in servanthood. That God delights in humility. Amen? Let's look at Paul. Another example from the New Testament. Paul's life was defined by his service to the Gentiles. He poured his life out in order to serve those whom God has commissioned him to serve with the gospel. Notice some of the words that he uses in Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. These words have always made a deep impression on me. This is the heart of a father. This is the heart of a true apostle. He says, and if I am being poured out as a drink offering, on the sacrifice and service of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. What did he say? I'm being poured out as a drink offering. His entire life was being poured out in the service of the faith of the Gentiles. And you see that throughout his epistles to the churches always praying for them, always encouraging them, always lifting them up, always laying down his life, giving them counsel, correction, advice. That is the heart of a true apostle. He wrote to the Corinthians again, in 2 Corinthians 12, 15, he says, I will very gladly spend and be spent for your souls. That is a true servant. He, there's no trace of selfishness in his ministry. He wasn't in it for himself. He, was, he wasn't in it to make a name, to build a ministry. He was in it for servicing the faith of God's people. And how rare this is today. Men and ministers pursue ministry, name, titles, possessions rather than building up the people of God by laying down their lives. Amen? Look at David. Another vivid example. David's entire life and work was described in just a few words in the book of Acts chapter 13, verse 36. For David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell asleep and was buried with his father. What did he do? In his generation, he served. He served his own generation by and in the will of God. That, that describes his life in one sentence. Elisha. What about Elisha? Elisha's reputation <laughs> was a man who washed Elijah's hands. He was a foot washer and a hand washer of his 
spiritual father. For years, he followed his mentor and walked with him faithfully through many tests and many trials, never complained. He wasn't looking for position. He wasn't looking for platform. He just wanted to serve his spiritual father and his mentor. That is why when Elijah was taken up by a whirlwind of fire and chariots, he cried, my father, my father. He didn't want him to leave. What a servant's heart. Let's look at Joseph. What about him? His entire life was one of serving. Wherever God placed him, in Potiphar's house, the Bible says, he served so faithfully that Potiphar entrusted his entire estate and the running of his household in, in Joseph's hands. He served so faithfully and so well. He went into prison, falsely accused. What did he do there? He started serving his inmates through his gifts. He was an interpreter of dreams and he served his way. And the Bible says that the, uh, the, 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 the gate or the prison keeper made him in charge of all the prisoners. There. And then he served his way right into the throne of Egypt. God exalts servants. Timothy. What about him? Paul describes perfectly the life of Timothy. He says in Philippians 2.21, For all seek their own. My goodness, that is a broad sentence. Even in the church today, for all seek their own profit, their own benefit. What's in it for me? Can I get something out of it? People look for churches for what they can get out of it rather than looking for a home in order to contribute something of their talent, their time, their resources to make it a better place. This is not the attitude of Christ. All seek their own process, but Timothy is different. They don't seek, he says, not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. Timothy's life was laid down to serve his mentor and the purpose and the vision that God gave that great apostle. And he served him to the end. That's why when he writes to him, he says, my beloved son in the faith. I have no one like-minded that I could send. When Corin had problems, instead of sending them a DVD or a teaching, or a, he sent them a son. He says, <laughs> he says look, at, look at him. When you see him, you see me. Yeah, wait a few thousand years. <laughs> he said, look, look at my son Timothy. He represents me so accurately. And he will teach you of my ways. Timothy embodied the spirit, the culture, the, the values that, that his spiritual father embraced. And he represented him so well. He served. That's how you serve someone. Now, the question arises, how do I serve? How do you serve? 
Good question, isn't it? Well, first of all, before you serve in an acceptable way, you have to be rightly aligned. Because alignment releases you into your assignment. Your alignment determines your very assignment. It depends with who you have aligned yourself to. Amen? Now, 1 Corinthians 12.18 says, But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body, just as He pleased. In order to serve the way God wants us to serve, we must be rightly aligned and rightly positioned in the body of Christ and in the place where God places us. Amen? I believe you placed here this is part of your assignment. Amen? And I like to believe that you're not just here for the paycheck. Amen? You're serving the Lord. You're serving His ministry. You are dealing with holy things. There has to be an attitude of deep reverence and appreciation for what God has called and assigned you to do. Amen? Now, finding your God-given place, both in the body of Christ and in society, I believe is one of the greatest discoveries we will ever make. Amen? To know that where you are, you've been placed there by the hand of God. Amen? This, is, this brings great boldness, courage, peace, encouragement. I'm here because God placed me here. I'm there because God put me there. I'm in this fellowship and in this church because God placed me there. I'm not there to be entertained. I'm not there to just receive. I'm there to make that place a better place. Man, I wish we had people like that in our churches. We would turn this city upside down. God put me here. That's why there's nothing you can do or not do that will chase me out of here. Amen? <laughs> Those whom God has set, you cannot upset. You know, I have some people in my spiritual family, literally if I kick them, they won't leave. Why? Because they have this deep conviction deep down in their heart. Hey, Andrea, I'm part of your family. Where can I go? We have nowhere else to go. God called us here. And if I don't speak to them for days or for weeks, they don't get upset. They don't get offended. They start praying for me. Something is wrong. Pastor has not called me. Hello. Is that your attitude? Let's go on. God's Word says that every house is built by someone. And even in the world you see today, these huge corporations, they are built because God gave a vision to someone. Amen? Every local church, local house, ministry, is built by someone. Someone received an original vision from God and he began to engage with it. And God brought other people around him 
But he is the one whom, whom he's the foundation. Amen? The Bible says that every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. Let me ask you a question. Who's the builder of this ministry? Who's the founder? You know who is, right? To whom has God given the vision of this ministry? You know who it is. Whom has he commissioned to oversee the running of this ministry? So in order to serve and build with that person, one thing must take place. You must catch the spirit of that person. You must catch the heart, the values, and the culture. What drives that person? When you catch that, you begin to flow with him. There are some things you catch. You cannot be taught by just association and being around that person. Amen? Amen. Praise God. I, I mean, take Michael for in Some people, they hear him and say, well, you just, just preach like Andrea. Well, he caught something from me. I, li I live in him through Christ. And he in me. He is my spiritual son. I can trust him with my work, with my ministry. I trusted him with my daughter. I mean. <laughs> so your alignment releases you into your assignment. And it is in that place of alignment, rightly aligned, that I myself also engage with the people of the house or the needs of the house. And according to the needs that I presented before me, I serve. Amen? Now, of course we are all called to serve, right? But we do not all serve the same way. Because not all have the same gifts, the same talents, or the same level of faith. I serve differently from you might be. I'm a mouth. You know? This is, this is how I serve the body of Christ. You might be the hands or the feet or the prophetic eyes, or the prophetic ears of the Lord. Amen? So, we serve according to our gifting, according to our resources, our level of faith. That's how we serve. Romans chapter 12 tells us that very clearly. Beginning with verse 3, we read, For I say, through the grace given to me, to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly, as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. For as we have many members in one body, but all the members do not have the same function. So we being many are one body in Christ, and individually members of one another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that is given us, let us use them. If prophecy, let us prophesy in proportion to our faith. Or ministry, let us use it in our ministering. He who teaches in teaching, he who exhorts in exhortation, he who gives with liberality, he who leads with diligence, and he who shows mercy with cheerfulness. You see these various ministries within the house of God. And each one of us has different gifts, so you serve according to your gifting. Don't try to be someone else. Amen? Because that's when confusion takes place and real problem. When you're trying to be who you're not. Amen? Amen? Now, in conclusion, 
I want to share some of the primary characteristics of a godly servant. What does he look like? Well, first of all, I believe that godly servants are primarily selfless people. We can either serve self at the expense of others, or we can serve God and others at the expense of self. We cannot serve both. Jesus said, you can't serve two masters. That's why he said, you want to follow me? You want to serve me? What is the first thing you need to do? Deny yourself, take up the cross and follow me. You can't serve self and God. One has to go. Amen? Luke 9, 23, 24 says, Then Jesus said to the crowd, If any one of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross daily, and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. So we see here the, the primary characteristic of a godly servant is one who is selfless. These folks, they lay down their lives, they abandon their own dreams, their own ambitions, whatever they may be, in order to serve God, to follow Him wherever He leads them. The second characteristic is marked by um, godly servants are motivated and inspired by the God kind of love. What, what drives them, what motivates them is not a sense of duty, is not obligation. It is the love of Christ that compels them. That's what empowers them to serve. That's why if, 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 if we don't walk in love, we can't serve. Amen? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15 says, Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we also believe that we have all died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive this new life, listen to this, will no longer live for themselves. A Christian should no longer live for himself. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and was raised for them. Amen? So they are marked, they are inspired, they are motivated by the God kind of love. Jesus said there's no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. They don't serve because of rewards. They don't serve because they want to be seen by men or heard. They don't serve because they want to be praised. They simply serve because they love God and they love people. That's the only motivation. Also, godly servants are whole in themselves. They are whole. They've been restored in their soul. And they serve from a position of strength rather than a position of weakness. They are healed from their brokenness. They were broken, but God restored them. I, I recall before I came to Christ, I was a broken soul a broken spirit, a broken young man, lost. But when I came to Christ, and in the process of time, God restored me. I, I, I didn't remain broken. Amen? You know, some people, they're perpetually broken. Somewhere down the road, we, we need to be restored. We need to be healed so that we may have something of, 
of restoration to offer to those whom God has called us to serve. These, these servants are in touch with a uniqueness. They know their worth, they know their value in Christ, and they believe they have something of value to give to others. They don't think of themselves as worthless, failures, because they have a healthy self-esteem. Amen? I mean, look at, look at the way the Lord Jesus served. In John 13, verses 3 to 5, he says, the word says, Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything that he had come from God and would return to God. Because he knew who he was and because he knew where he came from, what did he do? The word says he got up from the table, he took off his rope, wrapped a towel around his waist, poured water in the basin, and he began to wash his disciples' feet. That came from a position of knowing who he was, understanding his value, where he came from, and where he was going. That's what whole people do. They serve others from a position of wholeness and strength. And finally, godly servants will serve on godly terms, not on their own terms. Now, they do not serve with conditions attached, you know, nor do they serve when it's convenient or suitable for them. They serve when it's an inconvenient, when it's not suitable. You know, so many folks today, they want to serve God, but they attach conditions. They want to serve Him in their own way rather than in the prescribed way. They dictate how they want to serve. God doesn't work like He will not accept such kind of service. Amen? These folks, the godly servants, are submissive and obedient to God's direct and delegated authorities. When they come into the house, they don't dictate to the pastor or to the leadership how they're going to serve. They say, I'm available. Here I am. What do you want me to do? How do you want me to serve? And they submit and serve that way. Amen? Amen. These are some of the outstanding characteristics of a godly servant. And so I want to encourage you today. I, I, I'm not here to, to do anything else but show you the way, encourage you to become a better servant where God placed you. Wherever God has placed you, begin to serve. Serve with a joyful spirit. Serve with an attitude of humility. Serve with an attitude that is submissive and obedient to those who are over you. Delegated authority. Don't complain. Don't moan. And, and find fault in your work, in, your, in the ministry that you're part of. Just serve. Lord, I'm here to serve without being told. Amen. Somebody walks into, into this premises, you know, I, she, this one has got a lovely servant heart. The, she came with a cup in her hand. Pastor, why? She knows I like some coffee when I come in. Nobody told her to. She immediately responded. Greet them with a smile. Amen. Your boss rebukes you, take it in humility and try and better yourself. Amen? 
What is required of servants? Only one thing, to be faithful. Be faithful in, in where God placed you. I have a confession that I want you, a confession of faith that I want to lead you into it. Would you follow after me and confess this from your heart? Are you ready? ready. Let's stand and confess this together. I will lead, then you follow. Dear Heavenly Father, I decree and declare before you today that I am called and anointed by you to serve you and those you have commissioned me to serve. I decree in the name of Jesus that I will serve with a willing heart and a ready mind without murmuring or complaining. I am a servant of the Lord. This is why I was born and what I was born to do. To serve God and serve others with all my heart with all my mind, with all my strength. Hallelujah. And I believe that my life will not be measured by titles, by wealth, by position, or but by my servant heart. Thank you for enabling me by your grace to be a faithful servant. Day in, and day out. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.